god. Yep, yep. All right, all right. We are back. It is Across the Tracks Podcast. I yes. am Steve. And I am Wayne back for another interesting episode tonight. Uh, August the 16th, 2020. And uh, glad to be here as always and look forward to some uh, lively and interesting discussion tonight. So, yeah. Yes, sir. So what do we got going on? What's what's what would you say would be the main topic for this evening? Well, I guess, you know, like everything, everybody, the buzz, the buzz uh, is the um, the first um, black woman uh, being nominated as vice presidential candidate uh, for this country. And that is Senator Kamala Harris. So I think that's that's the top topic going on right now. We'll 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 look at that tonight. We'll talk about that a bit. Uh, also, uh, this is the 100-year anniversary of the Negro Leagues, and so I think we ought to devote some time to that tonight. And then lastly, uh, we want to talk about Uncle Tom and what that means or what that has meant uh, to black people and, and how they use that word. Uh, I found some interesting uh, information over the weekend about Uncle Tom, and you know, like we'd like to discuss that tonight as well. So... So that's what we're looking at for this particular episode. Um, anything to add or um, subtract or whatever from your view? No, I think those are good topics. Um, good, good. We'll just we'll just roll with that. You know, let's and roll then, with uh, it. <laughs> you know, we don't know how long this is going to be. We're just gonna we're gonna move forward. And um, it's been a couple weeks since we've uh, broadcasted, uh, and we're gonna just move forward. Yep, All right. It has been a minute or two since we were last uh, on the airwaves. So due to a variety of things, people, you know, have, you know, issues to deal with and that type of thing. So we're back. And, uh, you know, again, I think we've got some interesting discussion tonight. So let's jump right in to uh, let's start with the Negro Leagues. 100 years, uh, 1920, the Negro Leagues were formed uh, in this country. And, um we know how the Negro League came about. The fact, you know, that a lot of black ball players were restricted from playing in the white major leagues. And so out of necessity, uh, the Negro Leagues were formed. And, um, you know, a lot of talented players uh, played in the Negro Leagues. I think on one of our early, early podcast episodes, we talked about um, I think uh, Mr. Mose Bradley was in one of our early, early broadcasts. He was a Negro League player, yep. lived down in the bottom, uh, lived across from uh, from my house, as a matter of fact, down in the bottom. Yep. Uh, but he had played in the Negro Leagues, uh, new baseball inside and out, and readily dispensed knowledge about the game um, to, to anyone that was willing to learn and, and to listen. And so we always had some go, some good knowledge to pass on, you know, about the game and, and about, you know, what the Negro Leagues were about and what they represented. So, um, you know, the leagues, they were in existence, I think, for about 40 years, uh, 40 years or so in, in operation. And uh, I had a chance to go to the Negro League Museum in Kansas City a few years ago. Man, awesome place. Awesome. A lot of good information there. A lot of great exhibits. So, um, you know, what's what are your impressions of the Negro Leagues or any additional, you know, insight you'd like to add? Sure. Yeah. Uh, You know, the history teacher that I am, (laughs) you know, uh, it actually the 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 league actually started 
back in the 1850s when uh, some Cubans started um, playing baseball and playing professionally. I mean, just, you know, just playing around. And it worked its way up through the Civil War. Black folks played baseball. Of course, everything was segregated. Uh, the 1880s, it kind of got going again, in which it um, ran with about three or four teams, you know, on the East Coast, one in the Midwest, and um, a couple up in uh, um, north northeast, uh, eastern part of the United States. And then it just kind of fell apart. And then uh, it, it started back up around 1903, and it still moved a little bit. And it wasn't until 1920 when um, a guy by the name of Rube Foster, I think it is, yep, yep, who, yep. who actually organized uh, the first Negro League and um, – I think it was in Chicago. Of course, they had different cities around the um, the country that uh, black baseball players could go. Chicago, Philadelphia. Um, there was one towards the end of the, the time of the Negro East called the Indianapolis Clowns, in which it was more... They were a baseball team, but it reminded me of the Indianapolis Clowns reminded me of Bingo Longs and the Traveling All-Stars. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exact same, you know, barnstorming, you know, yep. had a bunch of characters, you know, doing tricks and so on. But they were still professional baseball players. And um, some of the uh, first, you know, when, when Jackie Robinson um integrated into Major League Baseball 1947, I think it was. He was a Negro League player, and then that was the beginning of black players being uh, drafted or being brought into the Major Leagues by uh, other owners. And by doing so, it literally just basically put an end to the Negro Leagues uh, because of you know, more and more black players were being able to uh, play Major League Baseball. Now, a couple of key people that I can think of that played Major League, the first the first one uh, was the great Satchel Paige. Uh, I think he ended up, I think he was drafted by Cleveland, maybe. And he was the one of the first major um other than Jackie Robinson's uh, Negro League players that made a, a, a name for himself. He's elected into the um, Hall of Fame. Uh, Willie Mays, my favorite player of all time, Willie Mays came out of there. Uh, Hank Aaron uh, played for the Negro National League. And uh, there's one other guy I couldn't, I can't think of right now that was a major contributor to Major League Baseball. But anyway, you know, the league, the league itself, uh, they went all over the South, all over. And they would play anybody. They played right, Army right. bases. They would every now and then play some white teams. But for the most part, the white team didn't want to play them because uh, they were going to get their butts kicked. Uh, I know the other person I think about was Cool Papa Bell. Yep, Cool Papa you know, Bell. Yep, the, yep. the fastest person alive <laughs> to uh, 
played baseball, probably could have been an all-star a track runner and so on. But, yeah, they played uh, different entities, played throughout the South, throughout the Midwest and so on, and so where they could find games. You know, and and if and if you remember, one of the big things, one of my one of my favorite movies was a soldier story. Yes. (laughs) And they and they kind of give you just a little bit of a vibe of what it was like to kind of play in the in the uh, Negro Leagues on how the stands were segregated and, you know, how the players played and the athletic, the athleticism of the players and so on. That's that's my thoughts about the um, the Negro uh, the Negro leagues. What about you, man? No, I uh, I concur, man. It was uh, it was a glorious time, uh, you know, for baseball as a whole because you know you had all these talented players uh, that were prohibited from playing, you know, in quote what what was considered the best league. Uh, but I argue that a lot of the players in the major leagues never played against the best players who yeah. were in the Negro leagues. Right, okay, right. Let's just, let's not get it twisted. Oh yeah. Uh, the best players were in the Negro leagues and a lot of the players in the major, they never played against those guys. So I think, you know, it, it was, um, it was sad that, you know, a lot of those guys, yes, they eventually, the ones you mentioned came over and were able to play in the major leagues, but, Life might have been different if a, if a lot of the guys who were considered, you know, the heroes of, of the white major league baseball uh, at the time, if they had played against some of those guys in the Negro Leagues, I, you know, things might have turned out differently in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars. Man, that's one of my most favorite movies, <laughs> man. <laughs> and, and that was, like you say, barnstorming, man, you know. The drive into a town. Hey, can we get a game? You know, there was always a local team willing to play against, you know, that that traveling team that came through your town. It was huge. You know, people would turn out. It was like a big, you know, family gathering and whatnot, man. So uh, and the soldier story, same thing, man. You got a glimpse of what it was like. So I concur wholeheartedly with your comments. Yeah. You uh, know, it, I, it, it's sort of like when we used to go across town. Yes. And to play baseball against guys in the bottom and on the hill (laughs) and guys from the hill and the bottom would come over and play uh, baseball because at the, at the bottom of Mallory street, there was uh, Homer Brashear's house. And then you had uh, a, not a Creek, but a, a, a ditch that ran from Cleaver street over. And there was a, an, a field, right before you got to the elementary school, middle school, TK Stone. Mm-hmm. And that's where we played. That's where we had our baseball games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was an old house on Mallory street, right behind Homer's house. And first base was there uh, to <laughs> hit a home, to hit a home run. As we were growing up, you had to hit it across Mallory street. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then that. as we got older, there was a house on, on, uh, on Cleaver street. That was perpendicular to perpendicular to um, Mallory Street. You had to, as we got older, you had to hit the ball to that house or on top of the house in order to get a home run. As we got older, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was kind of the same thing. You know, we would go and challenge one another and and have you know have a, a great time of making fun of one another. And you know, we never bet, but we always bet. We never put Absolutely. any money down. But Absolutely. we always said, we're going to come over and kick your butts, you know, and so yeah. on. So that's yeah. the same type of atmosphere, except we were doing it at the local level. And these guys right. were, you know, right. doing it for money. 
Right. Yeah, I, I remember that feel there. And um, I remember later, um, the Vaughn brothers, there was, <laughs> there was a field over off of Henry Street. Yep. And uh, they fixed that up, man. And we and we would come over across town, come over there and play play baseball over there. But we did the same thing with basketball. You yep. know, guys from the bottom, we come across town to play with you guys. We go up on the hill to play against those guys. We go over to Ratcliffe and play <laughs> basketball. I mean, it was it was that type of atmosphere, and that was, or that was the Negro leagues. You know, in its infancy. You know, you know, barnstorming, rolling in the town. Hey, can we get a game? And uh, people would turn out, you know, to to watch these talented men, you know, play a game that was, uh, you know, that was fun. It was fun, and it was a it was a good good day to spend a a day at the ballpark. So yes, 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 sir, yes, sirree. So uh, segueing, uh, we, we're we're gonna save the uh, we're gonna save the VP talk for the for the last topic, but want to talk a bit about Uncle Tom. And uh, I, I was um, my wife sent me an article. Uh, I was watching something on Netflix or Prime, one, one of those streaming I was watching. And she said, hey, you need to read this. So she sent it to me in a text. And it was about the, the story behind Uncle Tom. And um, Uncle Tom was a character in uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe's um, novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin, uh, named after a real slave named Josiah Henson. And for years, and you can attest to this because we know, mm-hmm. anytime we come across a black person that seems to be willing to um, go with the white man or the white community against black people, what do we call them? We call them an Uncle Tom. Yes, sir. But I found out from this article you know that yes this guy was called uncle tom but what he did totally erases that stigma from that name in my opinion and what he did was he refused to give up the location of these two um, black women who were who were slaves they were hiding and he refused to give up the location of these two women. They, the, um, the people who were looking for uh, these two women, they beat him to a pulp, uh, trying to get him to reveal the location of where these women, women were. And he refused to do that. And I'm like, what? I, I never knew that. Never heard that. And uh, I, I had the thought of what Richard Pryor said. Back during one of his concerts when he had gone to Africa. And Richard Pryor was, he he would he would use the N-word in a lot of his skits all the time. And Richard Pryor had a revelation that he came back from Africa and he said, you know what? He said, the whole time I was in Africa, you know what I didn't see? I didn't see any niggers. And he said, it was just a revelation to him. And he said, from that day forward, I am never going to call another black man a nigger. Well, that's how I feel about this Uncle Tom story, because once you read it and you find out what this guy did, it was courageous. He refused to sell out these black women. And so I think we need to change our perspective. I'm not sure if if you're familiar with that story. I've never read Uncle Tom's Cabin. 
I've never read that book. I haven't either. Be honest. I have never read Uncle Tom's Cabin. I've read a lot of books, but I, my wife's like, have you ever read Uncle Tom's Cabin? I'm like, nope, I never. I don't remember us reading it in school. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't remember it being something that was required to be read in school when we were growing up. So that's my reflection on that. And I'm like, you know what? I need to change my attitude about using that word against other black people. You know, so what, what are your revel, rev, what are what are your revelations about? Uh, you know, I, Wayne, I've <laughs> always been hesitant about calling somebody an Uncle Tom. I, yeah. And I don't know why. I just never have, you know, even when I thought about saying, you know, he's an Uncle Tom, I just right. never said it. And yeah. I, I just don't know why. Hmm. Um, you know, sellout I've used, uh, but I've never used the term Uncle Tom. And it's weird that, you know, we brought this up that I've, I've, I've never, at least I can't remember ever using that word uh, or that term towards another black man. Now, yeah. of course, as you mentioned earlier, you know, we we feel, I'm just generalizing, and generalizing is always the bad thing to do. And in generalizations, when you hear the word, you're thinking, yeah, you know, this person's a sellout. On that. But, you know, I'll say what it is. You're a sellout, you're a sellout. Right. You know? So right. I don't, I've never really used the term Uncle Tom. And like a lot of a lot of myths and so on, things have usually been passed on to um, to bl- the black community in a way in which uh, the black community does not understand it. You know, I heard somebody say one time the reason that white folks like to use the N word is that they want to continue to use it. They developed the word, so therefore they want to use it. And so when the current occupant keeps is encouraging uh, those terms, those words, then the word will never kind of go out of go out of our uh, vocabulary because uh, people want who developed the word created the word will continue to use it so they're upset when someone says politically correct because they want to use that word right right and no one wants them to use the word but they want to use the word so that's how i feel about you know the term uncle tom so somebody somewhere down the line has used that in a negative way to portray that to black folks this is my my feeling that I feel that white folks back in that slavery time used that term to turn blacks against other black folks. You know, a house divided will fall. Right, right. And, you know, the one thing and and that we've talked about before and that we know of is that black folks will pull one another down as opposed to lifting one another up because within our community, we have our own prejudices. Right, right. You know, you have people with good hair. You have people with nappy hair. You know, you have you have light brighters, light bright, damn near white. So we've always <laughs> had we've always had a a push pull 
or positive and a negative within our community. That why that's why we can't really advance because we always got somebody trying to pull somebody else down. And I think that this is just me. I think that that seed was planted by white folks back then to help divide black folks and to keep black folks from gaining their independence or leaving the plantation or going elsewhere so that, you know, you had the field Negroes and you had the house Negroes. Right, right. You know, so I think that's all part of it as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And again, I never, never read Uncle Tom's Cabin, but I think what we had been told throughout history was that this character, Uncle Tom, like you said, that's what he was. He was he was someone who um, was, um, I guess, um, would turn against his own kind to to save himself type thing. That That's what we were told, you know, throughout history. And it wasn't until I, I mean, I, this historian uh, who did this article it was on NPR. And I was like, what? I'd never heard of that. Never heard of that. So he was actually a straight up guy uh, beaten to death uh, and refused to give up the location of these two uh, black slave uh, women who had been abused, uh, sexually abused by their master. He refused to give up their location Mm -hmm. and was beaten to death. And so uh, courageous, courageous, um, willing to stand up at that time. That was huge uh, to stand up uh, for these two black women, knowing good and well your life's going to be taken. So, yeah. So, uh, that's, that's the story behind, uh, the real uncle Tom. So, so I, I found that very enlightening. So, yep. 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 All right, my friend, the hmm. big story. <laughs> Let's see the big, big story of the week. Big story um, of the week. Let's, let's look at, let's take it this way. Let's, what were you doing when you found out? that um, Kamala Harris was uh, selected by Joe Biden to be uh, his vice presidential uh, candidate. What were you doing when you heard the news? I was was in Orlando last week uh, helping my daughter move. Uh, She moved from Vegas to Orlando. She was out running some errands, and I was sitting in her apartment uh, looking at something on my iPad, and then uh, my wife sent me a text, and all the text said was, "Our soror is the candidate." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my God, he picked Kamala <laughs> because yeah. she's an AKA." Right. And um, so I'm like, so I immediately I shut the iPad down, went to one of my news feeds, and boom, there it was. And I'm like, "Oh man, it's on now." It's on now. And so that that's where I was. That that was my state of mind at the time uh, when I found out. So I was like, yep, it's game time now. Let's get it rocking. Let's get it rocking. So how about yourself? Yeah, I was believe it or not. uh, Lynn and I had taken our uh, car down to our local mechanic down in Whiteland, Indiana. And they were working on it. Something was happening with misfiring in a couple of cylinders or something like that. So they had changed the plugs and a couple of coils. And so um, I went down, picked the car up. Lynn, you know, we both drove down there. And then on the way back, I'm listening to uh, something on the news on uh, Sirius uh, FM. 
and I hear and I see it says and they're talking about Kamala Harris. So I didn't, you know, pulled over and pulled up my news feed and says, oh, Biden um, chooses Kamala Harris to be the vice vice presidential candidate. And so Lynn's probably a couple miles ahead of me. So I called her and said, hey, Lynn, did you hear? She goes, what? Of course, I knew she didn't hear. <laughs> and I said, Kamala Harris is the uh, was chosen by Joe Biden to be the vice president. And she says, really? I said, yeah, Kamala Harris. I'm looking at all these news feeds. And yes, she's it. And she goes, all right, that's great. And I said, I tell you what, I'm going to give. And this is no lie. I said, I am going to give the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue, I'm going to give him three days before she says she's nasty. Yep. Yep. I said three days. We get back home, you know, and pull the car in the garage and I get out and I start cutting the grass, you know, and I bet you it wasn't 10 minutes later. Lynn comes out on the deck. She's waving her hand. She goes, he said that she was nasty three times, and mm-hmm. this wasn't this wasn't thirty minutes later. Yep, yep. So I went, yeah. I, I said, well, I thought it would be three days, but hell, it was thirty minutes. Hey, he surpassed and, your expectations. And, uh, <laughs> imagine that. But so, but, but let me but, ask you this question. Let me ahead. ask you this question. I know he has an issue with women. He has yes, an sir. issue with powerful women. Do you think he has a, a another issue with black women? Oh, absolutely. Because, because he's used that nasty word uh, about Yamiche Alcindor. Yep. Uh, Stacey Abrams, I think he's yep. called her nasty. Yep. And now Kamala Harris, she's nasty. And he, he might have said about some other black women. Oh, but uh, Zelina. Uh, Zelina Maxwell. Maxwell, yeah. too, because I yeah. think she's so, asking a question. But Yeah. So so what what, what is that? I mean, what is that? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I just I mean, you know, I've only said this once before on our podcast. I just think the man's a racist. Yeah. yeah. And he's he's called Elizabeth Warren. People that women that are powerful. He uses that moniker or that 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 term to belittle mm-hmm. women that that have power, that have yeah. a following. Yeah. And in particular, uh, black women, he's also called Nancy Pelosi nasty, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, but, you know, because she's, you know, she's the speaker of the house. She's the third person in line to be president of the United States That's if something right. happens to him. And so as a weak individual, and I've always said this, that he's a weak individual, he uses that term to throw shade on these women. Yeah. You know, well. He ain't going to be throw, throwing a lot of shade on this one. Yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, not going to be able to throw a lot of shade on this one. And I, I, man, he, he's in for the fight of his life. He and, 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 and your buddy there, Pap, yeah. um, she's going to clean his clock. Come to debate. <laughs> yeah. We can, we can only hope so. I mean, yeah. I, I'm hoping she cleans his clock, man, you know, and but I, I think, man, people are going to turn out, at least I hope they do, uh, especially all the members of the Divine Nine. I, I hope they turn out oh, yeah, absolutely. in mega droves and make this happen, man. Yeah. Um, a question. You know, it's, it's, question it's one. funny. 
it's yes. funny that you know you, you know uh, Cynthia is an AKA, of course, Linda Delta. But a lot of you know I'm a Kappa, and a lot of Kappas have been posting on the the Kappa Facebook page when she was at Howard before she became a member of AKA. She was a Kappa sweetheart. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> wow. So wow. it was like the little Kappa sweethearts were. Little sisters of Kappas, and okay. you know, they help people and so on. And there's there's been about you know five or six pictures of her, you know, with the Kappa sweetheart shirt on, you know, being wow. in red, white, Ooh. and all that. So Ooh. yeah, the Divine Nine is going to come out. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that that concerns me is, I think, is that. The current occupant not wanting people to have the um, um, absentee ballot, and yeah. so he's he's spreading confusion because, you know, some folks are going to say I'm not going to go out there and vote when I can do absentee ballots. Right, right. And so I think the the game plan should be this. Everybody should plan on getting their ass out to the polls in person and voting. That's number one. If the state, you know, the secretary of state is able to get out ballots Mm -hmm. that you can vote um, by mail, then as soon as you get that ballot, send that damn thing in. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that, you know, the ultimate goal is to vote, but you can't be waiting on an absentee ballot to vote. You can't wait on that. You can't right, do it right, because right. that's that's the plan of their party. Yep. They don't yep. want people to vote absentee because they know that in the last election, he lost by three to four million in the popular vote. Yep. Yep. So if more people are eligible to vote by mail, then that number is going to increase. And so I'll give the man this. He, at least he's honest about it. I'm going to cheat, and this is how I'm going to cheat. We're yeah. going to slow yeah. the post office down. Yeah. Okay? It's still crooked, but right. at least he's honest, right. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And And, and you would think— you know, all these people who are always talking about upholding the Constitution. And I was like, again, they have nothing to say about this. They have nothing to say. The man has told you straight up, yeah, I'm going to cheat and this is how I'm going to do it. But you have nothing to say about that. No. I mean, where where is the moral fiber of these people who are supposed to be the leaders of this country? And this is this is an attack on the constitutional right of every citizen of this country to prevent them from voting. And, uh, you know, we just had the passing of John Lewis, C.T. Vivian, people who fought and died, beaten, whatever, for voting rights. And here you are, you are literally, you're telling people, I'm my plan is to stop you from voting. And no one has nothing to say about that. Yeah. I mean, this I, is I just, also the century of the women. Yes, because you know, we talked about this in an earlier, maybe our last podcast. We did that. You know, uh, it was a century ago that women were able to uh, vote. So if I was a woman in America, I'd get my behind out and vote. That's right. That's right. That is right. But back to Kamala. 
uh, for a second. I have a question to throw out to you because there, there's some chatter. There's some chatter in the, within the community. Two, two, two things going on within the community concerning Senator Harris. One, and it's the age-old thing. It, it, it came up when uh, President Obama was, was running. He's not black enough. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing's going on now with Senator Harris. She's not black enough. And the other issue is some black men have an issue with Kamala Harris because, in their view, she locked up a lot of black men when she was a prosecutor in California. Right. So I'd like to get your take on that. Uh, one, the blackness piece, and then follow that up with your take on brothers maybe not wanting to support Senator Harris. Okay, I, I appreciate that. Number one, once again, divide and conquer. A house divided will not stand. And therefore, you know, we as black folks, we've always had prejudices against other black folks. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, light, bright, damn near white. You know, you have the the house Negroes and the field Negroes. So there's there's been this built in uh, prejudice against people within our community. And that's why we never advance as far as we can advance, because we're always pitted against one another. Yeah. Okay. Is as opposed to some people that come to the United States. And for example, we have a huge uh, population of Burmese or Chin that's moved into uh, Indianapolis and Perry Township. Now they'll live together, four families in a house, you know, for several years. Uh, and but they're able to pool their money. They've come up with grocery stores. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them have become realtors. They've come up with uh, ways of buying these houses and coming up with automobiles and so on. So they are in this, we have no one to to help us but ourselves. And see, black America has never really gotten that because we've always been pitted, pitted against one another. Mm -hmm. Same deal. You know, yeah. someone says that she's not black enough. You know, uh, she her 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 dad's from Jamaica, mom's from India, and so on. Well, that's not black enough. Uh, the the problem is is that everybody knows that one drop of drop of black blood in your in your veins, you're considered black. Right. And and you'll be treated as that as so so. The people that are pushing the narrative that she's not black enough wants to divide us so that we don't go out to vote because of that. That's the number one. The second thing is uh, the question you had was about black men maybe not uh, going out and voting because as a prosecutor and the attorney general of California, she locked a lot of black, black, black men up. You know, and if you go back during the time in which that was happening, you know, three strikes and you're out and all those things were going on. That was right, all part right. of that was all part of, you know, the Reagans and the Bushes. OK, wanting to lock put, and even Bill Clinton, you know, in order right. to get cer certain things, he was able to pass a crime bill that locked more black folks up. And to most black folks, Bill Clinton was black. Right. <laughs> you know, he was we call him the black president. Right. Right. You know, because he wasn't afraid to um, 
get out there and help the black community out. And right. so to to my black brothers out there, you know, because she was doing what was going on at the time, and that is enforcing the laws of California and so on, you can't, we can't afford to have not one person not turn out the vote because of that issue. Right, right. You know, uh, get out there. You may have disliked what she was doing at the time, but, you know, over, over time, people change their view. You know, people change their I- ideals. People change their uh, ideologies. Okay, you know, the, the, the Republican Party of today wasn't the Republican Party of Abraham Lincoln in 1860. The Democratic Party of today wasn't the Democratic Party of the 1850s. Right. You know, so, you know, people will use the idea of people uh, 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 going against one another in order to exploit the situation. Yeah, the Democratic Party was the formers of the Ku Klux Klan, but the Democratic Party that formed the Ku Klux Klan was all white Southerners. Yep. They were all white. They were against they were against civil rights. And so, you know, when Abraham Lincoln, when Abraham Lincoln you know, became a Republican, you know, that was the, the, the Democrats at the time said, we're going to secede from the union. The Democrats said that we're going to secede from the union. But it wasn't the same party as it is now. They've changed. In 1964, with the passage of the Civil Rights Act, a lot of the White Democrats said, oh, we're going to go with the Republican Party because they are against. And the the uh, Nixon's Southern strategy was to turn a lot of white Democrats to the Republican Party because he was saying that I am against civil rights. And so the Republican Party went the, the increase of the number of members of the Republican Party increased dramatically as a result of the passage of the civil rights movement, the voting rights movement, and so on. So that flipped. You know, so to my brothers out there, we got to vote not because of what she did in the past, but what she's going to do for the future. Right. That's that's my take on it. How about you? Right. Well, I'll start with the first piece, you know, you know, and, and it's something you mentioned earlier from a soldier story. There's a line in soldier story at the end uh, when um, uh, uh, Howard Rollins character is the captain. He finally figures out who killed the Sarge. And he asked the first individual Denzel's character was also involved in killing the Sarge. But he asked the first character, who are you to determine who is fit to be black? Right. And 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 I'm this is this is akin to that. I mean, who who are we as black people to say Kamala Harris is not black enough? Yep. When you look at Kamala Harris, and I when I look at Kamala Harris, I see a black woman. Period. She is a black woman through and through. Born in Oakland, California. Okay. And she uh, she is she is a sister through and through, man. So I I don't know how people can say. Or deny her blackness uh, to say that she is not black enough. Part two, and my wife and I had a debate about this this weekend, that some black men was like, you know, man, we ain't supporting her, man, because she locked up people, blah, blah, blah. Well, she's a prosecutor. (laughs) I mean, that's her job. 
Okay, your lawyer is your lawyer's job to defend you, to try to get you off. Her job is to prosecute the evidence that's been presented. And she was doing her job. Now, some people, you know, there are some people that need to be locked up. I I, (laughs) I would agree with that. Some people probably need to be locked up. And there are some people who are in jail, we know, that are unfairly uh, incarcerated. But her job was a prosecutor. She's doing her job. Your defense lawyer may not have done their did their job as well. Right. But again, you know, that was her job at the time. But she has evolved from her time as attorney general, as a prosecutor in California. She's evolved. U.S. Senator. She has always been down for the people. And a lot of the things she's done, you know, in, in giving back to the community and, and doing things for the community, um, she is down for that. And so uh, I I agree with you, man. The brothers need to get out there and vote for this ticket, the Biden-Harris ticket. They need to vote for that because I think she has the capability to do some great things for this country. Right. And and, and she is a great balance to Biden, uh, in my opinion, uh, because, you know, he's coming from maybe the old school Mm -hmm. type of politics. She is— she can work in both realms, in my view. She can work in both realms. She has enough juice that she can reach young people and 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 hear their message and speak their language and bring them into what's going on to move the country forward. And she, I think she still can appeal uh, to those older v- voters out there um, as well. So I think she was a great pick, man. I think she was, she was a great pick. Um, we'll see what's going to happen, but we, we brothers need to get out there and vote for this ticket, man. Um, regardless of how they may feel that was then, uh, this is now. And we're, we're at uh, the precipice of something that we have never seen before. And that is the fact, man, that democracy is being eroded every single day. And we need to shut this down and get the current occupant out, man. My wife said today, we were talking this morning, she said, yep, come January the uh, the 20th, we need to call Sandman from, uh, from, uh, from, uh, from, from the Apollo. Apollo. Call Sandman and sweep his butt on off the stage, man. Sweep his butt off the stage because it's a new day, man. There's a new sheriff in town. And uh, their names are, are Joe and Kamala. So mm-hmm. that's what we need to do. So that's my take on it, man. That, that's yeah. my take on it. We... We always want to go there, man. And like you say, it's divide and conquer, man. And and that's what people are trying to do uh, instead of, you know, having the black community ride or die with this system, man. They want to try to divide us. And that's the age old trick. Who is black enough? Right. You know, right. And, like, and a lot of that, a lot of that's coming from the Republican Party, because, yeah. you know, I will give the Republican Party this. They are are relentless at trying to win. They don't care how, right. they don't care who's involved, they will do what they can right. to win right. to control power. Right, right. You know, hook right. or crook, they're going to, right. to do what they have to do right. in order to try to win this thing. Right, and I think... If, that, if it's right. stopping the post office, we'll do that. If right. it's, if it's uh, getting the, the Russians to send out people to to do that or to get on Facebook or uh, Twitter or whatever social media there is, they'll do that. And you notice not any of them are standing up for what's right. As you mentioned, you know, democracy is 
under siege right yep. now. Yep. And the party of the grand old party, the you know, they aren't grand at all. Nope. You know, they are a, a party of wimps. They are a party of non-entity. They are a party of people that are afraid of somebody that can't beat his way out of a paper bag. Right. <laughs> I mean, we've said this before. He's such a pussy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. He, he he's the guy, man, that, that we knew. We we grew up, man, and we, we knew never had a fight in his life. Uh always on the playground selling wolf tickets. And, you know, when you when somebody stepped to him, it's like, Oh, I, I didn't mean that, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. And it's like, what okay, you you're afraid of that? And and to me, man, it's so hypocritical. And we've we've talked about this before. It's so freaking hypocritical how boisterous these clowns were. Eight years prior that Obama was always tearing down the Constitution. He's abusing the Constitution. He's doing this. He's doing that. And now you're mute. You have nothing to say. Nothing. You have nothing to say about the way this man is literally trying to tear government down. And you're silent. You're silent. So you're complicit in all this foolishness that's going on. And not only do we need Sandman to sweep him off the stage come January 20th, but we need Sandman to sweep out the Lindsey Grahams, the Mitch McConnells, the Tom, all these people, man, who who suddenly have nothing to say because it's all good as long as, you know, we're getting what we want. Damn the Constitution. Damn democracy. We're getting what we want. And and that that's not how this is supposed to work. So right. Sandman needs to sweep a whole bunch of people off the stage here within the next uh, six or seven months. Get rid of them all, man, and get a new regime in there that's going to stand up for the people and restore the—we the, the, we need to restore uh, decency, man. We need to restore decency well, in the government. We need to restore rules. Yes, yes. You know, we need to restore—we need to come up with rules that can say that Wait a minute. The Department of Justice has a rule that you can't do anything about a person that's the president of the United States because it's a rule. Change the damn rule. Right. Right. Change it. Change it. Change it when there's a Democrat in there so you can say that we're not being biased. You know, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. if if the president does something wrong, the president needs to be accountable for it. Right. Well, right. he can't do his job. Well, if you change the rule that his ass can get in trouble for doing something wrong, then they're not going to do it. Right. And they right. know the consequences if they do right. do something like that. Right. By changing the rules, you'll prevent somebody like this current occupant from basically just running roughshod over the rules. Right. You know, and, and it's, you know, it, they, they're always saying, well, no one's above the law. Well, it seems that it seems yeah. that there are people that are above the law. Yeah. Because you and I or any other average citizen in this country, you get a subpoena served to you and you, you say, I ain't going. I'm not showing up. You can't do that. Why? There's a system of law. There's a system of rules. And we have to abide by that. So why are you, even though you're the president? And all his little henchmen, minions running around. You, you, no, this is how democracy works. You just don't like it. But this is how democracy works. And it has worked for what? 
200 something plus years. years. It has worked. And now this clown rides in and destroys or is trying to tear down what the founding fathers put in place 200 some years ago because, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And the powers that be to uh, provide checks and balances on him, they have turned a deaf ear and a deaf eye to corruption and illegal crap going on. They've, they've like, I see nothing like Schultz on Hogan's heroes. <laughs> I see nothing. <laughs> you know? And so we, we, we got to make it happen. We got to make it happen. And it's ride or die. The Democrats need to ride or die. Just like the Republicans, they need to ride or die with Biden and Harris. And, and let's do this. Let's make it happen. Let's make yep. it happen. Yep. You're right, man. We hopefully make we it get happen. through it. Yeah, because our, our current occupant, you know, I've used the term MSU before, right? MSU. <laughs> yeah. He, he just he just be making shit up. Yeah. <laughs> he's so dumb. He don't even know what he's saying. Well, to me, man, you don't know. You don't know that mail in voting and absentee voting are the same. You have a problem. <laughs> yeah. You don't know that they're one and the same. That's how ignorant you are. Yep. You know, and, and it's just I Cynthia, like, turn it off. She's like, turn the TV off because <laughs> is, up there, so I'm like, dude, this dude is lying. Between it is his frustrating. Feet. It is and, frustrating. I mean, I don't know how you can stand up there with a straight face and say some of the things he says. And it's like, yeah, that's what he said. We're like, man, come on. That is bullshit. And we know it is. But, hey. He's been allowed to get away with it, and no one's checked him. No one's checked him. So um, this is where we find ourselves. Well, we up now, man, almost 170,000 people dead from yes. COVID. Yes. And he's still, you know, pushing, uh, you know, let's open the schools. Now he's campaigning to have college football back. And I mean, dude, you're all over the place. Do your damn job and be the leader of the country instead of worrying about all these things that have nothing to do with you. But he, hey, wait, 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 wait. Everything has to do well, with you're right. him. <laughs> you're right. Everything has Let's to change do. change that around. Yeah, you're right. Everything you're right. has to do with him. Right. It's just that it's his, his point of view. Nothing can happen without him right. Right. being involved. Right. And and it's it's like, good man, this this is getting old. It's stressing people out. It is. And uh, I mean, yeah, COVID is taking its toll on people. But to be uh, to be led by a buffoon every day, uttering lies and foolishness—I mean, it it stresses you out, man. Yeah. You it know, you out. We got a friend that we've talked about before that we went to school with, and he has been posting stuff on on Facebook. If I post something on Facebook, it's normally about the family. It's normally about sports our cars pretty much. Right. And he's always bringing shit up. And then when someone challenges him on it, then he gets mad about, about (laughs) it. You know, he'll list blah, blah, blah. Or he'll have uh, his, his, uh, his profile picture is the top of his eyeballs to the top of his hat, which is a, uh, uh, occupants uh, hat 2020. Yeah. And then he gets mad about, you know, when people challenge him on that, you know, and he, he'll list all this stuff. This is why, this is why, this is why, this is why, or whatever. 
And I want to say, man, if you just stop talking about the shit, you know what? You're getting you're making me mad because I don't say anything to it. I've only done it once. Right. I've challenged him on one thing. And that was, you know, we talked about Black Lives Matter and he got upset and said all lives should matter and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I said, I'm leaving it at that. You know, I don't post anything political. You know, uh, if I do, I'll send something to someone individually, won't post it in public. But he wants to continue to talk about stuff that the current occupant is doing so well. Oh, he's a great, I want to say, I want to say he's great at doing nothing. <laughs> oh, that's a good, great at doing nothing. <laughs> You know, yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, I, I just want to go, I just want the election to get here. Hopefully yeah. he's out of office yeah. so that we can move on past yeah. him. And if he yeah. doesn't want to leave, Secret Service, kick his ass out. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and then just, just go from there. Yeah. 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 You, you're, you're absolutely right, man. Great at doing nothing. And uh, it's it's sad, man, that we we find ourselves at this point in history, people dying, and uh, they say, what is it? Uh, Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Yeah. I mean, literally, that, that's what's going on because he can't do his job, or he doesn't want to do his job. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're the leader. You 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 raised your hand, and and I told my wife, it's like all these people who took that oath to said they will support and defend the Constitution, you all need to be taken out and flogged because <laughs> you're violating your oath. You aren't supporting, and you damn sure ain't defending the Constitution against what's going on right now. Right. But you're, you're quick, you're quick to, you were quick to throw it up, you know, for eight years that this man was every day, he's violating the Constitution. He was doing something against the Constitution. And now you, you hear no evil and see no evil. So, Yes. November the 4th, or they say it might be a little longer now uh, once we know who the actual president will be because of what's going on with the postal system. Yeah. You know, but I'm hoping somewhere around the middle of November, uh, the current occupant will no longer be occupying that space. Yeah. And we can move well, on. By, and, by body only. He's gotten to January. Right. right. Yeah. He's got to January. And, yeah. and, and I tell you, man. Somebody needs to be watching. Somebody needs to be watching because anything can happen between November and January. Yes. And, you know, are are you going to try to burn things down uh, because you're pissed, because you lost? Uh, what, what are you going to do? And people need to watch that. I think someone needs to watch that. Normally, I would say that would be the Department of Justice. But uh, <laughs> we know that that ain't going to happen. So, Fred Flintstone uh, ain't going to let that happen. Who is? Fred Flintstone doesn't doesn't, yeah, Fred, doesn't yeah, Fred Flintstone <laughs> doesn't uh bar look like Fred Flintstone in glasses. He does. He looks like <laughs> Fred Flintstone. <laughs> so he ain't gonna do nothing. I mean, so somebody's gotta watch what happens between November and January. If he does in fact lose, he's gonna try to do something um stupid uh before he's actually before Sandman shows up. Yeah. So uh so, yes, uh, we're hoping, we're praying, uh, because we, we, we need restoration, we need uh, revitalization, 
And uh, we, we, we need a new day, man. We, we got to have a new day because things are just they're, – they're beating people down. People yeah. are beat down, man. And, and I think we're at a point to where what are we going to do? So let's, let's not forget about Moscow Mitch now. That's right. Now, my, my, my folks back home, back in Kentucky, y'all have got to get out. You got to get out because he is also just as bad. Yep. I mean, you you think about all these issues. The 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 House representative has passed bills, mm-hmm. taken over to the Senate, and he has done nothing with those bills. Absolutely, there's yep. a voting rights bill that's over yep. there right now, and yep. he refuses to bring it up because yep. if he brings it up, those senators are going to vote in favor of it. Yep. He does not want to do that because he's afraid of the current occupant and he's afraid that he's going to lose his job. And I hope that Amy McGrath is able to beat him yep. and and get him out of there. If the worst thing comes to worse, if he happens to squeak by a win, but Susan Collins Martha McSally, um, Lisa uh, Murkowski, the, the guy Lisa Murkowski, <laughs> uh, the guy that's in in Colorado, Corey uh, Gardner, yeah, Corey Gardner, and oh, yeah. and, and uh, what's his name from South Carolina, um, Lindsey, yep. the backstabbing Graham, yep, you know, flip Mr. Flip Flop himself, mm-hmm. and if they change that over and Moscow Mitch is in the minority, then Guess what? He's gonna have. Then of course they'll use the they'll use the uh, the filibuster to block every yeah, damn thing yeah. because he's good at that. Yeah. Oh, that's possible. Yeah. It's possible. We gotta get that, that guy out. Yeah. From what I hear, Amy McGrath is doing. She's doing well. You she's know, she's doing well. She's doing well. So yeah, folks back home, support Amy McGrath, man. Yeah. Support. Get out and support Amy McGrath. So we're people tired, man. People are tired of all this foolishness, man. We don't mean to be partisan, folks. It's just (laughs) that we see stupidity and we don't like stupidity. And something stupid, we're going to vote against stupidity. Right. That's just how it is. I don't I mean, I don't care. Black, white. Orange, purple, Democrat, Republican, independent. There's some stupid shits going on. We're gonna we're gonna go against the stupid shit. Right. And I that's, you, you have to harken back. You have to harken back to what I what I've uttered uttered several times during this broadcast. Where was all this eight years ago? <laughs> you you I mean it's hypocritical, man. And that that's what especially me and probably a lot of other people. You had an administration for eight years. Nobody got indicted. Nobody went to jail. Nobody was accused of soliciting the aid or holding up aid in order for a foreign entity to get dirt on your opponent. Nobody paid off porn stars. Nobody did. None of this crap went on for eight years. But yet you were on this man every day holding up this he wanted to do, holding up this. Wouldn't wouldn't give his Supreme Court nominee a hearing. I mean, foolish crap. Now, talking about stupidity, that was stupidity. And it was hypocritical. But now, all of a sudden, you're silent. You have nothing to say. He's he, he's doing a bang up job. No, he's corrupting this country. And you're standing by and you're complicit in it. 
So, yeah, we're going to call it out. We're going to call it for what it is. Yes, sir. You know, I think that's our job. You know, we we stupid is as stupid does. That's what Forrest <laughs> Gump says, right? So yeah. you got to call it as it is, man. And I think we, we, if it was, if Obama was doing stuff like this, we would call it out as well. Yeah. You know, because we're supposed, the country is supposed to stand. The Constitution is supposed to stand for all that is supposed to be right in this country. And it is literally being abused and misused every day since this administration has been on board. So if we, as citizens of this country, don't call it out, then we're not doing our job. Yeah. We're not we got to vote it out now. We got to vote right. it yeah. out. Yeah. Now, we, we, now, now we can, call, gotta, we can right. call until the hogs come home. Right. But right now, we got to vote. We got to vote. That's the only way because that is the he's only gonna way. cheat. He's going to yeah. cheat and... Uh, the, the voting is the only way of getting his behind out of there, and hopefully yep. we can. Yep, yep. So, again, Biden-Harris. Uh, we're, we're glad that Kamala is on the ticket. I think it's a great day, uh, especially, you know, uh, black women achieving their role. It's a great day for women. Overall, it's a great day for women. Uh, she's extremely talented. Um, she's, she's poised, uh, knows the ins and outs of government. And uh, I think she's going to do some great things. If that ticket wins, then I think you're going to see them roll up their sleeves. They're going to get to work. They got a lot of mess to straighten out, mm. uh, not just here at home, but they got to deal with mess that's been screwed up abroad with our allies yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So they, they may spend four years, man, just to, you know, to clean up this crap you know, <laughs> that's been going on. You know, like so, everything, it's always easier to destroy something than it is to build it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's going to take time because right now the, the world views the U.S. as uh, we can't Sharks. trust you. Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 we're not what we were. Yeah. And so um, vote, vote, vote. And when you go in there, make sure you pull that vote for uh, Biden and Harris. That's our view. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're sticking to it. You and stick to so it. Um, that is all I have to say tonight, my friend. Uh, Me as any, well. Me any as well. other comments? <laughs> no, hopefully with, with the next time that we get together, there'll be some other news out there. And absolutely we'll, we'll keep moving forward. Um, once again, if you're interested in, in contacting us, please do so. We have a Facebook page. Uh, you can contact us there. You can contact us through uh, SoundCloud. Uh, we're now on um, podcasts by Google, Google Podcasts. We've, all of our, uh, our information has been transferred over to Google Podcasts. You can find us. And if you want to be on this show, let us know. We say that all the time. We haven't had any takers yet. Uh, but... Um, yeah, contact us, and we yeah. we are we're able to be equal opportunity um, uh, social mediaist, and so we'll move <laughs> forward. I like that social mediaist. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So until next time, this has been the Across the Tracks podcast, and I am Wayne. And I am Steve. All right, sayonara. Shalom, dopo.